You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. I'm going to be speaking to you for a few moments on this topic. I am the door. I am the door. Man, if we can just take a moment and worship the Lord together, if we can just take a moment and pray here this morning before I begin. Lord, we are so thankful to be in, Lord, to be in your presence here this morning. God, that's all that matters, Lord, is that your presence is with us. God, I pray, though, that you would have your hand upon the remainder part of the service. Speak through your servant here this morning. Lord, let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A man in Australia was arrested and charged with stealing a sheep. But he claimed that it was one of his own that had been missing for many days. When the case went to court, the judge was puzzled and tried to figure out how he would go about deciding the matter. And the judge asked that the sheep be brought into the courtroom. Can you imagine that? Then he ordered the plaintiff to step outside and call the animal. And the sheep made no response. And the judge instructed the defendant to go to the courtroom and call the sheep. And when the accused man began to make his distinctive call, the sheep bounded toward the door. It is obvious that he recognized the familiar voice of his master. Of all the animals that humans could be compared to, God compares us to sheep more than any other animal in Scripture. And if you are wondering why, a quick search on Brother Google will tell you. (laughs) Sheep aren't that smart, and sometimes, if I'm honest with myself, I'm not either. Sheep are directionless. They get lost easily and will wander away from the flock. Sheep are weak and need a shepherd. They become restless when there is a lack of food. So do I. They cannot get up on their own if they fall down on their back. They need a shepherd to lift them up or they will die. That's true. They will. Uh, They remain dirty until someone cleans them. They know and follow the voice of their shepherd. When we come into our story today in John chapter 9, where I'm getting the context of this message from, we can see that Christ is conversing with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day. And then he lays a claim that Abraham had rejoiced at the thought of him coming into the world. They mocked him and said, you aren't even 50, but you have seen Abraham? For context, Abraham was born over a thousand years before Christ, literally B.C. And then Jesus replied by saying, before Abraham was, I am. And then, of course, he had to run away from the festival because it was a little less festivally all of a sudden. They picked up rocks to try to stone him because him saying that he was the I am was claiming to be God himself. And in their mind, no man can claim that. It is blasphemy. And they, lo- they sought to stone him to death. And so he escaped. And what they could not see right in front of them was that the Messiah was there. He had seen miracles that our minds can't comprehend. He formed the moon and the stars with his words. He molded us and knit us together in 
our mother's womb, but yet they couldn't see. As humans, we go through life making assumptions, assigning meaning to happenings, often filling in the blanks with whatever we can come up with. I did it this morning when we drove up the driveway and realized that it wasn't completely plowed. And uh, I took a picture and sent it off to a couple of people here. And this morning I'm preaching on how Jesus is the door and we couldn't even get to the front door. But luckily I brought a shovel with me and made a pathway so that we could get into the building to put on service for you this morning. And at the beginning of the scripture, the disciples, they're doing exactly that. They're, they're trying to bring context to what is happening. And they are walking with Jesus and they see a man who has been blind since birth. The disciples asked Jesus, who caused the blindness? Was it the man or his parents? Jesus immediately opens the eyes of these religious elitists by clarifying this has nothing to do with the sin in this man's life or in his parents' life, nor is God punishing him or angry with him. Following Christ this day were the religious leaders who couldn't see that he was the Messiah. Following Christ this day were his followers, his disciples, and they couldn't see what was right in front of them, a miracle about to happen. Jesus is yet again opening eyes. What has happened in this man's life wasn't because he sinned or because his parents sinned. Christ wants you to know this morning that it isn't because you have sinned or because of the sins of your parents that has caused the disease or the sickness that you are facing right now in your life. You may have attributed to yourself the reason why you are staring at medical conditions that you are facing all because it runs in the family blood. But let me tell you this morning that what you need to know is that there is healing that runs in his blood. Cancer is healed. Depression is healed because of the stripes that he took for each and every one of us. Because of the blood that he has shed. Christ, he goes on to clarify in the story why the man is blind. He says this happened so that God's mighty works might be displayed in him. This man who was born blind is about to be a living testimony of what God can do and everyone was about to see. This condition that had totally dominated the life of this man was about to be reconditioned by the hand of the master. Jesus, he begins talking about how the night is going to come when no one is, will be able to work and so we need to make work while it is still day. And then he talks about how he is the light of the world. He then spits on the ground, makes mud, and puts it on this man's eyes. Gross, I know, right? He tells him then to go and wash. And when he does, he comes back seeing. For the very first time, light entered into his eyes. The nerve structure of his eyes were restored and he could see. Just like God reached down in the beginning and made man from the dust of the ground, he is now remaking his creation. The place where he tells this man to go and wash was called the Pool of Siloam. It was a place set aside for purifying before you went into the temple. This man, who was once born blind, was healed and purified, and now, for the first time in his life, could enter into the house of God. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited when I read stories like this. We cannot imagine what a dramatic change that this was. But you know what the religious leaders were focused on? 
he healed this man on the Sabbath. Oh. <laughs> like, could, could you not just stop for a moment and recognize how amazing it is that this gentleman that had been born blind was now seeing standing in front of you. And yet, all they could think of was, he did this on the Sabbath. This made the Pharisees even angrier, and the blind man was brought before them. And they started to fight amongst themselves about this and question the man. The man defended Jesus, saying, I don't know who he is, but I do know this. I once was blind, but now I see. He opened my eyes, so he must be from God. That's all I know. Then they got mad at him, and they threw him out. And Christ heard all about this, found the blind man, and asked him if he believed in the Son of Man. The man says that he believes, and he, then he worships the Lord. And Jesus, he then says, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. I'm narrating through this story here for you this morning, and I do have a point that I'm coming to. Just hang on. Some of the Pharisees overheard this conversation and they said, what, are we blind too? And the Lord says, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. And this rolls right into our passage today, which begins in John chapter 10, verse 1. It says, verily, truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the door. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The meaning of this passage really comes to life when you include the story about the blind man first and see the whole context. It doesn't make any sense at first that Jesus goes from being questioned about how he healed this blind man and the blind man standing in front of him and him explaining to him what is transpiring in his life right now, all with a parable about sheep. How... What does this mean? The meaning of this passage really comes to life, though, when you include the whole thing. Just because we have turned over to a new chapter doesn't mean that this occurred at a separate time. This is a continuation of what conversation Jesus was involved in from chapter 9. Christ, he begins his response with truly, truly, indicating that what he has to say is very important. So you better listen up and applicable to the audience that he was talking to. You see, at night, sheep would be put into a pen. They would be put into a, an enclosure to keep them safe. Usually the enclosure would have a stone wall all the way around it with 
one gate or door for them to enter through. In some circumstances, it is recorded that the shepherd would make a fence around the sheep and leave an opening for a doorway, and the shepherd would become the door. No sheep would get out or no wolf would get in without having to step over the shepherd. If you want to get to my sheep, you have to go through me. This didn't just protect the sheep from predators like wolves, but also from thieves who try to steal sheep. He also says that sheep recognize the voice of their shepherd. The Pharisees are the thieves and robbers of this story, and the listeners would have identified that immediately. This statement was Christ's response to the situation involving the blind man who had been healed and the response of the Pharisees to that miracle. They are the ones who the sheep run away from once they have heard the voice of their shepherd. The blind man basically ridiculed the Pharisees and instead followed and worshipped Jesus as soon as he realized who he was. And In John chapter 10 verse 6, it tells us that the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. You probably have also noticed that this is becoming a reoccurring theme. The Lord teaches and the audience doesn't understand. The Greek word here is one that you will often see translated as parable. The irony is that Christ is speaking to the group of people who had just claimed to be able to see. But their inability to understand what Jesus was saying is just another example of their own spiritual blindness. So the Lord explains the parable to them, beginning once again with truly, truly. He tells them, I am the gate, the door for the sheep. And this is the third I am statement, and there are two aspects to this image. First of all, as the door, he protects the sheep from harm. Shepherds in the country in Israel would often sleep across the entrance to the sleep pen to protect the sheep inside from predators just like i had mentioned but second of all as the door he's the only way into the sheep pen if the sheep want to enter the safety of the pasture they have to go through him it is the only way in he then goes on to say that all the others that have come before him who for the sake of the illustration we we will call false shepherds they are thieves and robbers in this illustration In other words, the Pharisees and other religious leaders. But he says the sheep have not listened to them. That was definitely true for the blind man. Those who belong to Christ, the true shepherd, do not listen to voices like those of the Pharisees because they recognize them for who they are. He then repeats himself, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. If you enter through him, you will be saved have freedom, and will have abundant eternal life. But the other false shepherds are only there to kill, steal, and destroy. He really drives this point home. Let me tell you, somebody that's listening here this morning, Jesus is the only path to salvation. Jesus is the only way to freedom. He is the only way to eternal life. He serves the sheep by providing for them the way of life at the cost of his own. Those who enter through Jesus find life. And that means we all start out on the outside and need to choose to enter through him. We are all sheep searching for the shepherd. The salvation that comes through the Lord is personal but not individual. And that is another part of this that we don't talk about often. 
Christ knows the name of each of his sheep, but the salvation is in becoming a part of his flock. It is not isolated or individual. It is a community in which each member is brought into the life of God to form with one whole body or flock with all the other sheep like branches on a tree. And by entering through the door, Jesus, you join that flock of which he is the shepherd. Okay, slow down. Slow down, Brother Robertson. The blind man, the parable of the door. What does it mean for us that Jesus is the door for the sheep? What should we take away from this parable? Well, first of all, sheep follow the voice of their shepherd, like I mentioned. He calls us by name. He leads us. He goes ahead of us. He knows your name. He's been calling your name. In our passage today, Jesus said the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. King David wrote Psalm 100, which says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Can't you see this morning, the blind man, after being healed, recognized Jesus for who he is. And just like King David in the 23rd song agreed, the Lord is my shepherd. This is who I'm following. Like sheep and all, and like the blind man, we should also be listening for the voice of our shepherd and following after his voice. He knows what's best for us, and he directs where we go. Secondly, sheep enter through the door to find safety and pasture. This is really the main point of this message, is that sheep enter through the door to find safety and pasture. The door or gate is the only way that the sheep can enter into the pen. There is no other path. And when the sheep enter through the door, they find safety from predators and thieves with the rest of the flock. And in this analogy, Jesus is the door, and we are the sheep. If we want to find true, abundant life, eternal life, there is only one gate, one door, one path, and that is Jesus. If you want to receive eternal life, you must enter through that door. There is no other way in. If we enter through him, we find safety and freedom from sin and the forces of this world. And yes, we may still experience the symptoms of living in a broken world, but it loses its power over us. If you are in Christ, you are in the sheep pen. You are safe. You are free. David wrote a prophecy about the Messiah that was to come and save his people in Psalm 118. This is what he says. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. Christ fulfilled that that day that he spoke and said, I am the gate for the sheep. Since the days of Moses, the Jewish nation has developed a custom known as the mezuzah. It means a door jam or frame, and it would be attached to the doorpost. 
And to this day, the mezuzah is a sign of a household that honors God and is dedicated to his service. The most important part of the mezuzah is the parchment that's put inside that bears two biblical passages. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 to 9 and chapter 11 verse 13 to 21. These scriptures that are inside of this mezuzah have become a prayer of the Jewish people called the Shema that they quote twice a day. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Chapter 11 talks about that if you are to do all of these things, the Lord will keep you, protect you, and make you prosper. It would be customary to see people touch the mezuzah as they pass through the doorway. Specifically, one is to kiss one's fingers and touch the word Shaddai that's written on the mezuzah to show their love for God. This custom that God has appointed to help his people remember him and his ways in the New Testament, we see Jesus affirm the truth that's contained within it. When, was, when he was asked by a rabbi which commandment he considered to be the most important, the response that he gave was the passage, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The, Christ, the words of Christ have become more meaningful in light of the significance of doorways and gates in Jewish culture. As he explained to his disciples, yes, indeed, I tell you that I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate. If someone enters through me, he will be safe and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the door. If I could have the music come back here this morning. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He has created his word as a boundary for our life to keep us safe a fence, a protection around you. Not only is Christ our shepherd who has laid down his life at the gates of death, hell, and the grave, but he has been raised victorious and stands guard at the door of our salvation for the whosoever will. He is the door. And for what do Christ's sheep do as they go in and out? He says that they find pasture. A shepherd in Israel wouldn't keep his sheep and their sheepfold all the time, but the sheep would need to be led out to graze in the pastures. In some parts of the Mediterranean, shepherds would get up from the doorway of the sheepfold, call their animals out, and begin grazing them just after dawn. Then they lead them to pools of water to drink around mid-morning. The shepherd would get them to shade during the midday heat, bring them again to water, and then pasture them further, grazing in the fields until evening. Then in the evening, a shepherd would bring his sheep into the fold. And like I said before, he would see to his sheep being well supplied, going in and out and finding pasture. Through faith in Christ, this is a blessing and security that we get to enjoy. 
when you believe in the Lord, you can know that you're actually at home. In Him, you have found a place of rest. In Him, you can have the confidence that the Lord knows what we need and He will generously supply it. Christ feeds us with His Word, our daily bread. He fills us with His Spirit in all of our coming and going. And He leads us alongside the still waters of salvation. He makes us to lie down on green pastures so that we lack nothing. It is constant care, daily, never failing. His eye is on us. But He is our shepherd. And we are His sheep. And now listen to what Christ does in order to achieve all this blessing. Verse 15, He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Hearing that verse, imagine a shepherd on a dark night somewhere in a deep valley still on duty. The shepherd is posted at the enclosure's opening and his sheep are safely, quietly sleeping behind him. But then he hears a pack of wolves approaching. They, they're already snarling, snapping their teeth. They're hungry and bent on tasting blood. So the shepherd stays at the door of the sheepfold. He will be the door. He bravely keeps his body between the flock and the wolves. For his weak and defenseless sheep, he's willing to lay down his life. He cares for them. Resting behind the door, resting behind him, the sheep are secure. And that is us. Christ is the door for his sheep. For us, he lays down his life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We enter into life through Him. We're allowed to enjoy all the blessings that He gained through His self-sacrifice when He was killed on the cross. Though we like sheep have gone astray, Jesus in his great love searched for us and found us through faith in him. We may go in and out and find pasture. So enter through Christ. Trust in his name. Love him. Listen to his voice. Know that you are forever secure behind the one who is the door. This morning as we come to a close, I want to I want to take notice of a couple of things. First of all, there are individuals underneath the sound of my voice here this morning who feel like you have lost his voice in your life. You feel like you can't recognize what he's saying to you anymore. And you've even questioned whether or not he is still going before you. Let me tell you here this morning that he's never stopped being your shepherd. He's still the one that stands at the door. He's still the one that guards. Let me make another thing clear here this morning. He loves you. He gave his life for you. And he's still on the throne despite everything that's been going on in your life and the obscurity of things that have been happening. 
He's still in control. He's still defending you. He's still going before you. He's still standing in the gap for you. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.